back once again, another episode. Almost done with these intros. It's going to be kind of fun. Today's episode is with an old friend of mine, Ben Hoffman. Ben is somebody who I knew in college. He's currently an industrial designer working for Branch Creative. He's worked on everything from designing printers to humanoid robots that are supposed to be friendly and not scary, as he says, and has a lot of interesting insights from the world of industrial design that tends to have more unique constraints, maybe, let's say, that you may not find in, in certain other creative ventures. It was really interesting to kind of kind of dig into some of the details there and, and talk to him about all that. In this conversation, we talk about industrial design, like I was just saying, and kind of some of his, his key insights and takeaways and how he'll work on designing a physical product. We talk about the creative process and collaboration within some of those projects and and how working with others can help new ideas emerge. And we talk about some of his personal hobbies. He is a musician, a film photographer. So we spend time digging into all of that and talking about some of his process there, how it, how it carries over to his design work, how it differs in certain other ways. And yeah, I think that's about it. As per usual, you know, the drill hit up the links in the description to follow Ben and his work and there will also be links to anything mentioned in the podcast down there as well. So yeah, without further ado, my conversation with Ben Hoffman. Yeah, I guess, I guess first and foremost, as we get started, go ahead and I guess kind of introduce yourself and like what you do and just kind of go from there. Cool. I'm Ben Hoffman. I'm an industrial designer for a company called Branch Creative. I guess what that means is, well, I work for a design consultancy. So uh, anything from home goods, we did some like crazy humanoid robots earlier to, yeah, some consumer electronics. It's it's just designing a wide breadth of consumer goods for the most part. Yeah. Sick. I'm, I'm going to start with, got to ask about the humanoid robot, I guess. That sounds like the most... That was the most eye-catching or, or maybe not eye-catching, ear-grabbing ear description of the things. But yeah, I guess what, um, what, what was, I'll start with like, what was that project? What was your, what was your involvement there? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, this won't be the, the greatest story. I was loosely involved with this project. I had other things I was working on at the time and I worked on like designing like leg portion of the robot, but basically this robotics company came over. They're designing robots that uh, are trying to fit into like factory work so picking up boxes mostly but it's all humanoid and they just wanted us to make it look a little bit more friendly and less terminator like <laughs> which was quite a feat but at the end of the day they took what we gave them and they like kind of implemented it so it still looks creepy as all hell but it's still um, terminator like yeah i guess this might be a good way to kind of dig into dig into some design principles but like how do you and if you want to take this question and expand it to like a different project that uh that you are more involved on if it makes it easier to answer the question but like how do you yeah, yeah. start thinking about designing like the leg on a humanoid robot like what are where do you start with something like that yeah i mean in a, in a broad base uh, like the process just involves like initially image gathering trying to get ourselves in like a mind space of like what what's the sort of vibe of the thing we want to design and then a lot of sketching refinement we'll like uh do some mock-ups out of like foam or paper if it's applicable to the to the project or maybe clay and then we'll get into the computer and we'll do cad but as far as like where to start with the actual like look and feel of things I guess that has a lot more to do with, uh, well, hopefully the company coming to us has some idea of what their brand is and how we can like work our magic within that, those constraints. But a lot of it is just nailing down like what, what the constraints of the project are, right? Cause you don't want to, you know, there's an infinite amount of possibilities of what a given object could look, could look like, like mm -hmm. what the leg of that robot could look like. But we start with like, all right, so how are we making this like what is uh what are the mechanical like considerations we need to like consider what what sort of what sort of considerations do we need to take into account about like range of movement for this mm -hmm. and then we can like we work backwards from the constraints uh, kind of giving us something to work off of 
for the the robot we created a whole bunch of different image boards of like you know what the robot could be and before we got to the detailing of that leg we had a whole process of sketching actual like we had a whole process of sketching like the actual like general shape of the robot like is he like big and happy and has like a stomach to like make you feel like he's not gonna come and murder you or is it like super technical you know and we just kind of it's it's a series of diverging and converging like design so we'll initially start we'll just throw out any wacky idea you have and then we'll come together as a team we'll look at uh like what we have we'll pin it up on a wall and we'll talk about like what we're thinking what's successful and then we'll take that and we'll like refine what we didn't like we'll like bring out what we did so i'm keeping this rather general for the purposes because i mean at the end of the day that's that's all what we do is like we we bring this sort of creative process to like like i said any number of things from like Mm -hmm. furniture to consumer electronics so um that's what i mean that's what i love about working in a consultancy is just the the range of things we get to like learn about and apply this sort of design thinking to so i don't know if that entirely answers your question or where you're aiming at for it yeah yeah no that's that's great want to explore like some of the with what you were talking about like the the diverging and like converging ideas i think was the, the terminology you would use there i guess with that like like what does that process look like on the team like do you just is everybody just like okay go your separate ways and come back tomorrow with as many ideas as you can come up with or what's then how are you kind of like you know passing those around the room and, and gathering feedback like what's that mm-hmm. process like yeah so uh I guess at the end of the day, it's keeping in mind what we're shooting for because, well, we work in phases. The first phase is this idea generation phase where we give client a whole bunch of concepts, so three to five usually separate ideas. And then we have a few phases after that of refinement and making that thing ready for mass production. So in the space of that, we have, you know, we want to deliver like three distinct separate ideas that are all valid, equally valid for the client. So a lot of it is a lot of the ways we diverge and converge, I guess rather converge would be uh, starting to group these disparate ideas. But your question to like, what does it look like? Uh, Yeah. A lot of the times it is just, you know, everyone kind of, uh, going in their own direction like sketching for a day or two and then we come back and we sit down and we like talk about what everyone's done but a lot of the magic comes from especially hand sketching a lot of the magic comes from especially hand sketching where because it's imperfect you you often misread someone else's sketch and you know your brain auto fills something else that they weren't even thinking and so like that sort of ambiguity really leads to a lot of like interesting different ideas because someone might be thinking like that they, well, I don't know, I guess someone might be thinking that they sketch something one way and you interpret it completely differently. And out of that, you get a whole new concept. Yeah. Do you have any examples that come to mind of like either something you did that somebody interpreted like way different than, than you had originally thought or, or vice versa something like that? Uh, let me see. I can't think of like something incredibly different off the top of my head. I mean, for a little bit of transparency, we like this past year, I've probably worked on like maybe 20 different things. Mm -hmm. And then within each of those 20 different things, we have like, you know, 10 to 15 different concepts internally. So every, all of these keep on stacking up, but I don't know. We were working on lights just a few months ago and one of my coworkers had this idea of like skewed sort of see this is this is hard being an audio medium (laughs) describing describing visual things but basically a skewed cone and you can imagine like a cone but you kind of pull the peak over to the edge so it's all kind of elongated and his idea was just like a single light and i was sketching on something else where i was like playing with the idea of stacking a whole bunch of different shapes on like one post and then out of the combination of those two ideas came this idea of like just having this like cone shape kind of in repetition stacked or along um along a length of pipe. Uh, I don't know if that answers it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, mean, I, I, I think I guess something else. But, 
But yeah, no, yeah. I, I think it's, I like that idea of like feedback without context, being able to mm-hmm. act as something other than feedback uh, and, and kind of iterating on the idea. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, I don't think it's quite the same, um, but like in, in, like some color grading work a lot of times or with like editing on like rough cuts. A lot of times I try and present it without, like I have a million notes, right? Throughout the whole process, I'm, I'm taking all sorts of notes. 90% of them a client will never see even a variation of. <laughs> and I try to get that first draft in like as early as I feel comfortable with, depending on the client, right? Yeah, with as little context as possible, because I think it can kind of mm-hmm. help shape direction. How? I mean, I guess you might have kind of answered this in a way, but you had mentioned like your first discussion with the client, or your first like batch of ideas to the client. I guess is to get them. I think you said three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like three to five ideas. Okay. So for the most part, we don't um, we don't preview like final design or like like the final look or idea of what it might be to the client but we'll like every now and then before our final phase one share we'll try and give a preview of of at least like the architecture that we're looking at if we're trying Mm -hmm. to question like assumptions of how they might use a device we'll be like oh you gave us these internals but did you think of like restructuring it so we could do this and we'll get like sign offs, but at the end of the day, we we hand off what we we always call like really high fidelity sketches. They're three D models that they don't have everything figured out, but they they look pretty real. Um, and I guess that's that's what we share at the end of the day. Of course, with like varying, we like to say mild to wild. So we'll have like pretty a pretty like straightforward concept and then at the end of the deck we'll have something that's like kind of out there like a little bit of a leap for them to maybe produce or questioning assumptions that they might have that we think lead to an interesting product does that does that yeah. answer what you're shooting at there yeah 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 no it's very interesting it's also interesting to approach this like everybody else that I've talked to on uh on this podcast so far have been either like visual like media or uh, like audio, like musicians or producers and stuff. At least I think, right? I guess. Yeah. In some capacity. It's kind of interesting to learn about how like you're gathering feedback on a, Mm -hmm. on like a product and like a physically engineered item. Right. Cause a lot of the times like it's, it's, that's not something I'm, I don't have to consider the, um, the logistics or the engineering about how anything I do works. Right. I just need to make something to Mm -hmm. extend. But no, no, it's, it's interesting, I guess. Um, how are you, so you're in that like big feedback session, you've got all these like sketches and ideas floating, floating around. Like, how are you, um, what's the process look like to identify what those three to five are? Like, is it just, I won't add any more context to that question. Just like, what's yeah, that? yeah. I mean, um, a lot of it is we literally have hand sketches pinned up on a wall and like, we'll we'll be looking at it and you can start to see like groupings of different ideas. And, you know, it's just like, I mean, you know, but your audience might, that might not that I myself am also a musician and mm-hmm. an avid photographer. And I kind of think of it like, uh, you know, when, when you're done with a shoot going through and, you know, picking, picking the photos that like work best out of like maybe the hundreds that you shot. Mm-hmm. You have a whole bunch of ideas that are rather similar, but you're you're looking for the one that like has the best composition, the best story, mm-hmm. and that's not too dissimilar to what we do. It's just where I'm trying to align when I when we down select like, you know, is is this form compelling? Is there like a, a nice story that flows through like the form to the function of it? Uh, you know. Is it is it very is it disparate from the rest of the other concepts that are starting to form, and that's kind of how we down select. Hmm, interesting. And then, is there what is the balance between like that that form and that design aspect to the functionality? Like, is that just are you mm-hmm. just taking care of that up front by putting like the rules around it of like you know you know from the client what it needs to mm-hmm. be done, or is there are there ever times where you're running into like oh we like this idea but there are some functionality issues. Yeah, I mean, so there's def- definitely been times where we've sacrificed a bit of the function of a device to the form. 
which kind of flies against, I guess what, when I was in school, what all of our professors would always say is like form follows function, form follows function, industrial design, form follows function. But in the grand, in the bigger picture of what you're making, you know, like a lot of these things are direct to consumer. So, uh, it really like the form really needs to pop because a lot of the times that's the only differentiation point. And mm. for a lot of things at low cost, high volume, they've kind of been engineered to death to the point where like it works really well, but the way it looks is just purely based on like, you know, it's, it's sheet metal because that's super easy to make. And yep. there, there's a flange here because like it has to for the manufacturing process. And then we go like, well, what if like, what if we machine that? So it's a little bit expensive, a little bit more expensive, uh, but you get the trade-off of like something that's a little bit more compelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to sprinkle in. I have a really relevant detail, but it's on a product that's coming out in the next few months. And so uh, I probably can't, can't share uh, that. Gotcha. But gotcha. yeah, there's times where we sacrifice it, but it's, you know, it's in the larger evaluation of like what we're trying to do. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it wouldn't be dissimilar to like, you know, if you were color grading something, you know, there's times at which you kind of want the effect you're going for is something that maybe is like illegible, right? Because like mm-hmm. you're doing a horror movie, you want to amp up that scariness. And so yeah. you're sacrificing like the objective, like legibility of the image to uh, mm-hmm. convey like greater idea. Yeah, yeah, to, to pass the story along, get the message through further. Yeah. All right, and, and then I think I'm trying to think if I have any more any more questions on the design well, front, or if I want to jump to the or or actually here, let's um once you've taken those if three, you want, I have I have a question. Yeah. Okay, I have a question for you. You can decide where you splice this in, but I mean, I think you've alluded to this so far in the conversation that this is. It's almost felt a little bit more technical. I'm curious what your discussion is with like other creatives in like different industries about their creative process because you know a lot of the times to other like a lot of times when we share stuff like at least in for industrial design will be like oh like the magic idea that like just popped into my head mm-hmm. and we might tell a narrative that like isn't purely true really like kind of romanticizes the process and i find that um at least at least for my creative process that it's uh i don't know it's a lot of the times it's not that much fun because you're just like banging your head against the wall trying to come up yep. with like that cool idea and all the ideas you come up with so far aren't cool uh you just keep on trying to like i don't know look for that like source of inspiration and i guess like what i've talked to talked through so far is kind of like how we can start to structure our work professionally within, I guess, the field that I'm in Mm -hmm. to kind of reliably come up with, reliably find those good ideas and Mm -hmm. filter those good ideas. Because if you're just, if you're just waiting for that, like that, like divine inspiration, at least I feel like it's that, that hardly ever comes. Yeah. yeah, It's, It's just a lot of hard work. And I'm curious if, if there's similarities or if, if there aren't, if I'm just crazy. Yeah, no, I think there's definitely similarities. Like on a couple of like earlier episodes on this, on this batch in the season, we were talking, uh, I'm trying to remember who specifically it was. I do these in batches. So I'll typically do like multiple yeah. of them in a day and it kind of like blurs together. And then by the end of the day, your brain is so fried from having these conversations. So apologies to whoever I had this conversation mm-hmm. with, if they're listening to this and I misattribute it, maybe I'll remember it later and link it in the show notes. But uh, we were talking about the idea of a lot of times, like in an edit specifically, you'll have a lot of footage and I guess in the perfect world, right? You have figured out what you need this edit to look like in pre-production. Uh, yeah. A lot of times you'll think about everything you can in pre-production and then you've still forgotten like nine things or there's still like nine, 10 different things that you haven't thought about. And so like sometimes in the edit, you find yourself in a place and like the example I'll give is that I actually just tonight I wrapped, uh, I got final picture lock on the edit for the short film that I'm working on. That's like a dance piece. And uh, the, the catch to it is that I didn't shoot any of the footage. Somebody else shot it and I wasn't involved at that point and I got brought on later 
and it was an original score that wasn't composed or danced to on the day of. So I have all this footage that pre-production didn't have any account into the edit and then a, a score that wasn't accounted for that didn't exist until I started editing it. And it's a, there's a lot of like, you can look through the footage and, and think through it and try and have the idea, but, uh, or, and try and get that idea to come to you. Right. But I, I think the analogy mm-hmm. I used was it's like trying to, uh, to solve a puzzle and there it's there. I just have to discover it. And it was, it was just mm-hmm. like a matter of time. I was like, I know if I put in enough time, I can figure this out. And there was plenty of time where I was like, I don't want to sit down and edit this. I don't, you know, and I would have to do it. And like, I would do them in stints. It was the language I would use around. Yeah. Like I got to do an editing stint and I have to, and it's just one of those things where, um, you know, you kind of have to bang your head against a wall sometimes to see what you can get to come out. Yeah. And then, but I think there's also like a, a value towards banging your head against a wall for an hour and then stepping away. And then kind of coming back to it. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say that the sort of perspective that stepping away from the work brings you, Mm -hmm. I think is super helpful. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one of those things where like, if you, if you look at something for too long, like you stop seeing it the way like someone just walking around, like looking at your screen Mm -hmm. might see it. I'm sure that affects your color grading and your editing as well as like my work where like, I've stepped away from like, let's see, let's give you an example this time, uh, designing like a printer and I kept on like, I could see, uh, I could look at my screen, I could look at my sketch, I could tell that like something wasn't working, I would keep on trying things and then like, you know, I'd call it quits for the day, next day come around and I look at it and I'm like, oh my god, it's it's so obvious, like the the radius on the edge of this part is just way too big and if i just make it a little bit smaller that's it that's it it's just like something super simple that you're missing that you're just not seeing or like the proportions of this thing are just so wrong like this handle is just way too long i gotta like shorten and that's just something that you don't see when you're staring at something for so long it becomes like you don't see it with fresh eyes i guess yeah i I agree 100 percent. i think that that's something that i I try to build that into my process a little bit. Like, um, I'm going to ask this question by giving you two kind of examples. And the question, I guess, mm-hmm. would be if if you have any uh, similar ways that you maybe try and bake this into any sort of process that you have. But like, the first example is like when I'm color grading, uh, I'm typically looking at like one component at a time. And yeah. for when I'm building the look, I should say, the more creative element of it. But like when I'm building a look, I'll just be looking at, say, the contrast across, like the, the overall tone across the whole piece. And sometimes what I'll do is, even if it's in color, and mm-hmm. I think it's important, like if it's a color piece, not a black and white piece or a, a monochromatic piece, to get most of the tone dialed in, in color, right? But sometimes if I feel like I'm spinning my wheels, right, I'll just put it to black and white and I'll make some adjustments there and kind of try and go back and forth, I think, to to try and see it a little bit differently, right? And I think another thing I do is I'm, and I'm still kind of working this one out because uh, there's a balance between flow state, but then once you're, I find once I'm in flow state, color grading sometimes, there's a point in which that margin of returns kind of falls off and I need to step yeah. away and I'm just like spinning my wheels for a little bit. Uh, so I guess it kind of goes back to like the stents thing of like, I have set periods of time that'll work on it for in attempts to build in some, some reset stuff. But I'm curious if you have, uh, any ways that you try to like accelerate that stepping away process. Cause sometimes like, and I'm sure, especially doing client work, right? Like you, you probably don't have the luxury to step away sometimes and, and give it a day yeah. to come back to it, you know? So is there anything that you do to, to kind of accelerate that? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's, I mean, because we're doing like 3D objects, you know, we don't have the luxury of just turning off the color, but a lot of the times what we do is we'll just, or what I'll do is I'll just switch the medium I'm working in. So if I just, if I can't figure out, if I'm modeling this in the computer and I just can't figure out like how this surface should look or specifically for like organic things, like doing like a really ergonomic handle on like a game controller. And I just like, I'm banging my head against the wall and I can't figure out how this works. What I'll do is I'll just switch the medium I'm working in. 
So maybe I'll go down to our shop. We have like urethane foam and I'll just try and like carve the shape out of that. Or we have some like modeling clay and I'll just like try and figure out how it should look like that. Jump into sketching. Uh, and for for me, working on like a physical product, switching the modes, I feel like is uh, definitely like something that I go to because you can't, at the end of the day, our deliverables are almost always in the computer. We have to deliver 3D CAD that an engineer can like assess that they can go cut tooling off of for plastic parts. But uh, getting out of the computer helps helps a great deal. And then also like there's other things like when we are modeling, when we're in the final stretch of coming up with a concept, it's all, I mean, we'll work in like an engineering package like SolidWorks. And so everything's gray in that. Like, you know, you're just looking at the form and then we have a different software package called KeyShot where like, it's like your Maya or 3ds Max. It's like a software for like rendering and creating images. And in that you can like really explain, ex- experiment with like materiality. Like, you know, is this like a really like juicy chrome object or is it like, you know, a matte plastic or is it maybe made out of wood? And so we get to try out different things like that. Um, I don't know if huh. that No, I, I think either. that idea of, of changing mediums is really interesting. It's got me thinking about like, I'm wondering if there's a way that I could emulate that on on something that i'm doing but i don't know i'll have to i'll have to kind of mull over that one but that's an interesting an interesting idea that i think not a lot of like creative mediums have that option right like you know if you're a musician you can't necessarily go you know shape your well i guess you could right you could change an instrument or something like that no you switch instruments yeah Yeah. sure Uh, Hmm. okay and then so uh i'm curious on this one like and I guess is a common theme, a question that I try to get to um, in some capacity in, in most of the discussions I have. But like when you're working on something, like what do you do if you have an idea that's not related to the thing that you're working on? Like whether it's another project that you've got in the, in the pipeline or mm-hmm. it's just an idea that you have that's not relevant at the moment. Like you're doing anything to kind of capture those ideas or what's that? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I always do. I have a sketchbook that I like always work out of and alongside the stuff I do for like a specific project, I'll always have like some other doodle, like I'm trying to work on designing a guitar recently and, and I might see something in the process of like finding inspiration images for like a client where I'm like, Oh, that's a cool idea for like the guitar or like, Oh, you know what? Like that'd be a really cool lamp. Let me sketch that really fast. And then, I'll just kind of keep notes on that uh, that way. And then do you have any means of like organizing it and accessing it later? Or are you just kind of like, you've got the notebook. You oh, know, no, it's, you it's pure chaos. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. It's, but, yeah. you know, uh, I don't know. I, I think like, uh, I don't know, the messiness is helpful. I mean, it kind of goes back to that conversation we had earlier about like how you kind of misread hand sketches, but like mm-hmm. there's something to that like a messiness in a creative process i think that like you know because sometimes you you look at it and you just see something else and mm-hmm. you know the tricking your brain into kind of auto filling mm-hmm. is the way i think of it like automatically filling in that idea is you know something that's i think pretty powerful it's like um a lot of concept artists will start like a concept sketch when they're just initially ideating with like just random shapes and then they'll just try to find something in that shape and tricking your mind into doing that i think is like a really a really neat creative tool yeah that's an interesting almost for those listening which is everyone because there's no window or there's no no video i just (laughs) went backwards out of my chair Uh, i had a question and then almost falling over made me forget it um what was i gonna ask about god damn it well, here, I'll, I guess I'll just, um, with with that idea, oh, I remember now, the, uh, the piece about like tricking your brain into, into stuff and like kind of coming back to it. I think it's that chaos, that inherent chaos is not too unlike coming back to something the next day and, and seeing it yeah. differently, right? It's I guess it's kind of a way to like, you know, naturally and organically forget about something and then come back to it and kind of, kind of fill in those blanks. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, like I said, I was, I'm an avid photographer and 
a lot of the times I'll like work on an edit for like three days of a photograph because like you know the first time I like just process the photos second time I like go through and I like start to tweak the colors and everything mm-hmm. and then I come back the next day and I'm like holy shit what was I seeing in this why is it so green <laughs> and then and then I fix that and then and then I'll save it out and I'll probably tweak it before I do anything with it after that yeah I, I think the the perspective is is really important yeah let's let's like dig into photography a little bit like what's your um I guess what's your your general process what do you like to shoot what do you i mean uh, admittedly i've been off instagram uh yeah, yeah pretty heavily and then just deleted it very recently finally but um so i guess what i've seen here and there when the algorithm deems me worthy enough to see it is i've caught a lot of your like large format work that you've been doing but like like is that kind of your main focus is like large format and film stuff or what's your what's your photography like what's your process there uh, it's definitely been film lately uh there's just something to the process of shooting film that I find a little bit more rewarding. Um, I did a whole, my whole thesis project in film, or in my whole thesis project in school was uh, designing these like film cameras that kind of drive at the question of like why why do like why do people find this rewarding? Why are mm. people switching from shooting digital to film? So yeah, I've been I've been shooting a, a lot of film lately. I, dove into large format which is super cumbersome (laughs) medium format but i mean day to day it's mostly like 35 just shooting like street stuff and life Mm. stuff i don't have a specific creative project in mind with what i'm doing um that being said i guess i could dive into some of the the things i designed for that uh the film sorry yeah i guess i could dive into yeah yeah. no because let me rephrase that so you can cut it no, that was you. You overestimate the amount of uh, editing that I'm going to do here. Okay, good luck. <laughs> no, uh, super, super chill. Uh, yeah, no, that was something that I actually had jotted down to ask you about. So yeah, I, mm-hmm. I'd love to hear like kind of an overview of that project and like maybe anything you learned mm-hmm. about that process because I I agree it, there is something uh, uniquely rewarding about shooting on film versus mm-hmm. digital, but I don't know if I've spent enough time with it to like put my finger on it. Yeah, so I guess the idea with that project was to kind of investigate, um, you know, why why I felt that was. And then uh, once I tried to put a finger on, like, the different elements I thought were the reason to try and, like, design specific cameras that accentuate those ideas. So I guess at the end of the day, uh, like, it kind of narrowed down into three, like, large ideas. And I guess I'll just describe the cameras. Sorry again for the the visual medium for the audio. Yeah, no, the, the and, and audio those, medium uh, for the visual process. Yeah, yeah. But for those uh, to any links in the description, I'll have either links or photos to. Yeah. I can include information to for folks who who would who would like to see it. So yeah, so the the first idea was like, all right, so a lot of it's like experimentation because you don't really know what you're going to get. It's an analog format. You, you don't really see what you're previewing. And so it's all about like you using like this camera as like a creative tool to kind of generate interesting images. And so with that, I designed a 35 millimeter camera that just has a, a small slit in the image plane and a crank. And you would hand crank this image or you'd hand crank the film past this slit getting a slit scan effect and you just get this like really weird abstract photo and you can do all sorts of different things with that and that the whole the whole idea with that was like all right experimentation the the second camera was um it was it was a a camera like made to kind of more capture the the moment but a longer time span of it and so it like it took multiple frames on one image and doing something that like digital can't really do and the idea there was like you know, you're kind of like you're living in the moment again because you're not like seeing the the photo itself. Mm-hmm. And then the third one was a uh, oh a, a super long exposure camera, so like a pinhole camera. Mm-hmm. And the idea there was just like kind of playing with your your sense of time when you're taking the photo. But I guess the heart of it, like this sort of um this for sort of like forced intentionality, uh the preciousness of like a physical medium 
So you don't have like an infinite amount of shots. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you don't really get the immediate reward of taking the photo, kind of like, I guess like what I would put my finger on. I guess I should take a step back and say that I did this with a close friend and classmate called named David Miller. So it was a collaborative project. Yeah, shout out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess that was like my attempt at like putting a finger on what was so special about that. But um, if you have any. as you have continued shooting film have have you changed your take on like those three like identifiable features at all have you added a fourth have you maybe removed or modified one like i guess i haven't been that intellectual about the process (laughs) i've just been shooting photos lately i have revisited that initial slit scan camera concept Mm -hmm. i was telling you about because i was just really intrigued by the images i got out of it Mm -hmm. i've been trying to like think of stuff to do with that but I haven't I haven't gone back to interrogate my my initial thoughts. Mm-hmm. I think that that's an interesting the idea of the experimentation a little bit more because it's kind of easy to get locked into shooting a certain style or a shoot certain like for lack of a better term genre of of photo. You know, it can be easy to find something that that works like you get a picture that you like out of it and then you find yourself looking for the same element again and again. Yeah. And there have been, I've played around with the idea of like going out and I'll shoot street photography, but I'm only trying to shoot a single shape. And I'm like, today is triangle. I haven't done it in a while. I need to do it again. Yeah. Um, But like, uh, I guess it just reminded me of that of like, you know, going out and trying to force yourself to to shoot in different ways. Um, But I guess I'd love to know uh, your process on shooting large format particularly Mm -hmm. because it's so polar opposite from the way I shoot because I have um, got like a body sling that I keep a Ricoh GR3, which is about this big for those look not seeing this small. And then I have a Minox spy camera that shoots like a little eight millimeter film. And so I shoot. uh, I got a, I was going to say, I got a little Minox G35, I think. I'm actually in the process of scanning film from that. Oh, that's uh, awesome as we speak <laughs> uh yeah i mean day to day i actually agree with you my my process is a little is a little bit more run and gun i shoot that or uh, i have a leica as well and do a lot of shoots on that but or a lot of shots rather but as far as the large format goes it is just a much slower process um because you i mean you have this massive camera so you can't really do it handheld and so you're forced to shooting with a tripod so that kind of limits your uh limits like what you're taking photos of because mm-hmm. can't be like a lot of fast action generally speaking and yeah so it's a lot more meditative i personally find it um i don't know how to phrase it it's like i like the process of shooting it more and i'm intrigued by the medium uh, more than i'm intrigued by the results many times but mm-hmm. You just get this like absolutely insane resolution. Mm-hmm. And so I was playing around with like recently how it could show like show the medium in like the digital age, like how to how to translate large format to Instagram. And I was like doing stuff in After Effects of like zooming all the way in because if you scan these images in at full resolution, you can get I actually initially I, I scanned at the highest resolution my scanner could scan at and then I had to do two separate images and then I tried to bring that into Photoshop and Photoshop wouldn't support the amount of pixels. Mm-hmm. So you can get like an absolutely bonkers amount of resolution. And for those of you guys listening, um, I'd say it's like, I don't know, five to six times the size of 35 millimeter, just in like the width alone. The, the image is absolutely massive. It's a four by five inch negative. Mm-hmm. And with that, you get some pretty pretty interesting results. Like your depth of field is super tiny, so like portraiture is kind of nice because you get like a really dreamlike effect. Because mm-hmm. you'll just like focus on like the iris and everything else in a face will be like out of focus. Uh, or when you shoot like a landscape or a building, uh, you you get an insane amount of detail. And then with that, large format cameras tend to have a little bit more control of over the image, so you can do stuff like tilt shift effects to correct for perspective or to start to focus things in a better way so 
Yeah, I mean, for me, it's a lot more about the process of shooting those than like necessarily the image I get. Um, mm. I don't know if that's as rewarding of an answer as you'd like. I mean, a lot of the times when I shoot film photography, it's it's both like, you know, for, for the actual image, but also like the process of shooting. Like mm-hmm. my camera, most pretty much all my cameras are just completely manual with no light meter. Mm-hmm. So it's just like kind of also like the challenge of that. Like, can I can I get a cool shot? with it being this difficult to shoot yeah yeah kind of entertaining no i mean i think it speaks to the idea of the the process over the over the output reminds me of a conversation i had the other day with max kaplan who was on another episode here where we were talking about the idea of releasing work and Mm -hmm. like the example he gave like was on the podcast is um you know, nobody needs to listen to the to the podcast for it to have the value that it created for us having the conversation. But it's kind of an interesting, uh, you know, the process is a lot of it, and it's uh, I don't know. I guess I've been thinking about that as well. I'm like, how do I want to how do I want to share my work, especially now that I've deleted deleted Instagram, which is kind of the easiest method, right? Yeah. If you're a photographer, it's like ah, throw it up on Instagram or whatever. But uh, mm-hmm. kind of experimenting with that, but. With um w- with the process, then, if you're not as interested in the image on the on the back end of it, and that's not to say that you're not interested in the image, right? Yeah. But like, um, what are you looking for when you are shooting? Like, what's your? Are you still looking for? Uh, let's say large format specifically. Like, um, are you still looking for something that you think would make a cool image, or are you looking? Are you looking at things slightly differently because of the the technical challenge that you're looking for? No, I mean, I'm looking to make cool images, like, for sure. A lot of the times I'm looking to, like, I don't know, shoot something with the camera that, like, I couldn't really do with something else. Like I mentioned, they they have all sorts of, like, weird perspective control things that you can either use to distort the image or to, like, correct for things. And so sometimes I look for stuff that I can do something interesting with that or, like I said, has crazy resolution. So I look for, like scene with just an insane amount of detail that i can Mm. uh, do something with but i mean with that and like most a lot of the images i shoot it's like a lot of it is just like i do it because i i like it you know Mm -hmm. and so that that conversation of like releasing the the final process is um i guess something that's interesting like just off screen here again sorry for the listeners (laughs) i have like i have a i have like five guitars and like a little synth and everything and uh i don't i don't release my music but something something i do because i enjoy the process not to say that i wouldn't want to it's just uh i guess a lot of it a lot of it for me is like just the enjoyment of the actual process of doing it and then i guess bringing it back to like the industrial design thing i guess like i don't know a good half of the work that at least i generalize it to most studios a lot like half the work we do maybe not even like maybe won't even see the light of day it's either like concept work or something that just like doesn't make it through to final production and so i've kind of made my peace with uh the the process of it you know Mm -hmm. okay i think that'll give us a good a good jumping off point because i do want to talk about let's get into into music stuff like or i'll i'll bounce it into a question like why do you, I guess, in what context do you think you would decide to release music? Because you had just said, like, you like yeah. the process. You, you're not, you know, not that you wouldn't release it, but you're, you know, typically not releasing it. Like, what, would there be anything you think might pull you towards, you know, dropping yeah. an album or what, I guess? Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll, I'll reframe it. I'll reframe your question. Uh, so the funny thing with, like, this might be like other creative fields too. Maybe you can let me know. But a lot of my friends or industrial design friends, they'll they eat, sleep, and breathe industrial design. They'll like design stuff on the the free time that they have. And for me, it's always I had like other interests, like going into design school. Like I briefly considered studying jazz guitar, but I was told countless times by all the musicians in my life and uh, people teaching me lessons and everything that like that would be a horrible career path because I I guess what I found is like as soon as you make your like your hobby your interest your career it it starts to taint it right Mm -hmm. because it's like it's also what's making your money making you money and then 
when you get it when you're reliant on it like it becomes a job a lot of what you have to do is taken up by like i don't know for music like finding gigs like Mm -hmm. figuring out what's next and so i was always content with like leaving my creative interests to be like my my other creative interests to be like my outlet away from work um so with photography like not looking to get into any galleries or i guess not actively same thing with music like i i would love to sorry i would love to like start a band or find a band I had a brief stint earlier this year with a with a group before he literally kicked everyone out of it, which was a, a, a really interesting experience. But I mean, the tendency of collecting hobbies and so uh, finding time to pursue one to the ends of like uh, publishing something like music uh, is I find it difficult. I just have too much of an ADHD brain to follow through on anything. But I mean, oftentimes I do find myself like, Man, why why do I do this if I don't do anything with it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, uh, do you on the note of like, um, with you saying, like following it through to the point of uh, of like completion or, or release? Uh, yeah. I, I guess is there a reason why you wouldn't just drop some? Like you could always do it on, under some yeah. random name, right? But like put out some weird. Like I guess the question is like, is there a what does what does completion look like for you and why why do you think it's where it is yeah i mean that's a good question cuz like i mean i'll fully cop to the the fact that like i don't know there there's that whole idea of like you know you'll you'll not really be happy with like what you do and it's really just a matter of like putting it out there i think mm-hmm. dave rubin has a whole a whole thing about it where he's just like matters more is that you deliver and less about like how you feel about the final product Hmm. because like someone might resonate with it um so yeah i mean there is part of me that goes like like maybe i should just do that but um i mean i want perfection i want to work (laughs) (laughs) so so that's what's stopping me i mean like uh, on like a more matter of fact level like i just have a whole bunch of like loops maybe i can give you something to like put on the outro or something but there you go you know, like nothing. I mean, they just aren't finished. So I'd have to go through and like make a B section, like mm-hmm. write lyrics or something, find someone to like sing if I don't want to do it or like, you know, so it's more of and like, before. Sorry, go ahead. Just going to say like before I get to that point, I come up with a new idea for like a new little like chord progression that I want to put down and like start playing over just to like play. So I guess that. So it's it's a lot like you've got a notebook of ideas, but none of the ideas yeah. are fully formed. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, how are you? I'm going to ask this question with a bunch of context because um, for those not not watching, which again is everybody, there is a guitar hanging up on the wall behind me, and I at this point pick that thing up once twice a year, at least in the last couple of years, uh, and I I've been thinking more and more like it's on the wall as a reminder to play and it's also like it's in the background of my zoom calls uh because a i mean at uh uh at work i I work remote so at work it's the only thing in the background um so i don't have an empty wall and look like a crazy person but also it's kind of a (laughs) reminder that i that i want to play it and i think i a lot of my playing early on like in high school and in college was a lot about skill acquisition and then i took classical guitar for like two semesters in college and found my ceiling in skill acquisition or maybe not my ceiling but my like i don't give enough of a shit to get whatever that next step better is uh and and i guess had never learned how to how to do anything other than practice right like i had i had been in a couple of like bands i'd like jammed with people but kind of outside of that hadn't hadn't done much more than than practice and try and get better at something so like i guess that's a very long-winded context around a question of like how are you like what are you doing when you're sitting down to play if you're like sketching up metaphorically speaking sketching these ideas like what's uh what's that like process like for you um i'm gonna reframe this one too yeah go uh (laughs) because that it's pretty resonant to me and maybe oh i'll get to my point and then i'll ask you the question but i mean i'll i guess i'll start with guitar like for me it was like 
in the the beginning it was like learning how to practice right like you know i was like oh why does a song work or something and i might like learn the theory behind it but i never spent too much time like on the art of like or on the craft of like actually making something mm. and uh, that's very similar to like my kind of trajectory with design i was like oh like i just need to figure out how to like sketch good or oh i just need to figure out how to like use solid works mm. and like, and then I'll be a good designer because I can make anything. Well, it turns out there's a really big gap between knowing how to use the tools and practice the craft and like actually knowing how to, in the case of like playing guitar, write a good song, or in the mm -hmm. case of design, like design something that people actually want. Um, and I mean, maybe, I guess my question is like in your process of talking to people, I'm sure there's see this in my like work that there's people that like approach it approach like uh, the creative practice from like two different sides there's people who i guess like me who kind of come upon it and like from a more like technical mastery of that underlying like craft and then you like learn how to do like the art of like song craft or the art of uh designing something and then there's definitely people that I've run into and that I work with that like kind of approach you from the other direction. They don't necessarily know how to use SolidWorks very well, but I'd be damned if they don't crank out great ideas yeah. all the time. And so uh, I'm curious, well, I kind of lost the thread on your initial question. Oh, like, what do I do to like sit down and come up with the ideas? But yeah, I mean, I guess I want to turn back. I want to yeah, yeah, throw that out and toss you my question. <laughs> Have you run into like that sort of differentiation? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I haven't noticed it. I'll say that. Like now that you now that you bring it up, I think that's very interesting. That's something I'm going to have to to keep in mind and probably ask more folks about and, and dig into. Uh, but I think at least I'll speak for myself. I think I'm definitely like you in the skill acquisition standpoint. Like in color grading, I spent a lot of time trying to learn new techniques or oh how do i recover highlights or how do i yeah noise or you know split toning or all these different techniques and i just kind of came to a realization of one day of like well i don't have a, a strategy i have a bunch of tactics yeah. i don't have a strategy i don't have a uh, like an overall like guiding like a vision yeah, exactly. Exactly. I just have yeah. all these, I have a list yeah. of things that I'll do. And it turned into that, mm -hmm. like in my, in my color grading work, I would have a node tree that was like 500 different nodes. And it was, and look, there's people who color grade like this, who work with a shitload of nodes and they do yeah. very good work better than mine. I'm not talking shit on, <laughs> but at least for me personally, it became a thing of like, well, I have all these nodes here. I'm just going to go use all of them because they're there. And it was just a list of, it was like a checklist of tactics. And I wasn't actually, like you said, I didn't actually have a vision. I wasn't actually like crafting something. I was just doing things. And I think that um, at least, at least for myself, I think I'm more uh, uh, skill acquisition first and then artistic vision later. But I've yeah. been, I think part of this podcast is trying to, uh, to figure out that artistic vision and like at least have more conversations with people about, uh, about what they're doing and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Mm definitely feel that like that's kind of what led me down the path of industrial design i suppose or the consultancy based industrial design that i do you know people come to me with what they want to make and i'm like okay cool that's a that's a decent idea or half the time it's they're horrible ideas and we try <laughs> to figure out how to make them cool but yeah i mean that, that's what like that's why i like what i do is cuz like you know someone someone comes to me with the idea and then i get to like kind of run with that and I suppose that might be what I struggle with a little bit on my own creative practice of like music, for instance, where it's like, all right, I know how to play chords. What chords am I going to play today? Oh, I'll, I'll argue. Yeah. I'll argue that point with you. I think you're the opposite with music because it sounds like you've got a bunch of ideas and you just don't have you're just not doing the crafting <laughs> phase versus I, on industrial. I just design. spent this whole last weekend trying to come up with like a new idea. And I guess maybe this this loops back to our previous conversation of the creative practice like not being entirely rewarding all the time yeah where you'll spend hours and just end up with just utter shit <laughs> maybe that's just the process you know it's not sunshine and rainbows 24 7 yeah uh, yep. but yeah i no, mean i, I guess something, 
there's something nice though about having a medium like mm-hmm. music that you can come up with a bunch yeah. of shitty ideas and it doesn't matter like you're not on deadline for work you're not on you don't have a client you know sending you emails every day like hey where's x y or z and you're like oh i just came up with a shitty idea that i had to throw out that's where <laughs> you know mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean to answer your question um i guess what i do to like i don't know break out of a rut is i have the the real book the jazz standards like lead sheet book and i'll just like open it up and try to find like i don't know an interesting passage of like or an interesting chord progression that i think is there's something to and then i'll just like repurpose that you know i guess a lot of a lot of the creative process is just kind of understanding that it's just sampling or repurposing like what's yeah. out there in a different way um that's what's, I mean, that's often what's successful. It's like, what if you take like in music, like you take, I don't know, a samba rhythm and then you like, I don't know, play like metal guitar over it. Oh, that's different. Is it, is it cool? I don't know. And I guess that's also what I do with like, with design is we try to like reference stuff. Like, you know, we're designing like a, a set of like pots and pans, but what if we reference furniture and what's what's happening over in furniture and just kind of recontextualize something? Mm-hmm. I think I think that recontextualization is always like good, a good way to jumpstart like a creative process. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there that is such a. I mean, there's just so much in the creative process that is repurposing other ideas or things that you see or like. Oh, that shot looks cool. What if we do that in this context in a music video? sick like yeah just... yeah a lot of people might get and myself included kind of caught in this like oh i have to come up with something like absolutely fresh like mm-hmm. that no one's ever seen before and and the reality is i think that a lot of it's just recontextual recontextualization and people kind of going out of on a limb to like show that you know because i guess a lot of people might again myself included i guess i should just re- restate everything and saying <laughs> i feel this way you know you're you're not willing to go out on that limb like showing people like oh i think like this like interpretation of something is cool or like this thing is cool because you don't want to get shot down or you want to you always want to shoot up and impress the people above you and reality like for music your audience might be sideways it might be people like who like might not be impressing the people who are like who you see as like more discerning like for design i might not be impressing my boss but i'll impress like you know my coworkers or like maybe the younger designers coming up i don't know or the client if that gets at anything <laughs> or the client yeah. no yeah i think i think that's that's something i've always kind of given a lot of thought to uh the idea of like inspiration versus I mean, what art, good art is, is stealing or whatever the fuck that quote is that I can't think of yeah. at the moment. But, but yeah, um, sick. All I mean, right. That's where I think, I think uh, fun is. Oh, sorry. No, no, no go I'll ahead, just go do ahead. one last, one last thing. I was going to say like, you know, it's, um, I, I like to think of it a lot like cooking, right? Like, you know, you're not going to come up with a whole new cuisine all by yourself, but you might have an idea of how to mix two different flavors that like people don't normally put together and you have some yeah. crazy fusion thing that's delicious. So art is like cooking. Yeah. There you go. Yep, there that's you go. your sound bite. The, the quotable at the, at the end there. Yeah. Uh, sick. No. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's good. I think that idea of, of recontextualization in art is kind of a good, uh, a good, good point to leave it off of also because I am tired and I've run out of questions. And we're, right. we're we're a little over an hour or two, so we're doing. It's probably one of the longer ones in the in the batch. Right. But yeah, I guess. I apologize. Uh, no, 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 not a, not an issue at all. Um, good conversations. The uh, the point of the of the whole thing. Um, I guess to go back to your point earlier, it's about the about the process and not who's listening to it. So I'm not worried about a about a runtime. I'm worried about the 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 engaging a conversation and then ideas that I can I can think about later. But um, I guess just before we go. You want to make any plugs? You got any? Got anything you want to plug? You got a? Are you dropping an album anytime soon? That? <laughs> no, no, I'm not dropping an album anytime soon. I, I guess I'll just point people to my Instagram page where I post my photos. That that's the the most consistent creative output I have these days. And from that, I believe I have linked a portfolio and a design Instagram account as well. 
So you can find me at bhoffman330. Uh, and yeah, give go ahead and toss a follow my way, I suppose. Other than that, you know, it's been it's been great catching back up with you and having me on your your little venture here. <laughs> yep, uh, yep. And yeah, any uh any links will be in the description and on the uh on the page on my website. So I'll be sure to get portfolio, Instagram, all that jazz. Photos to of of slit scan camera stuff all I'll put up there for sure. So All right. Cool. Awesome. And uh, I'm going to hit hit that big old end button.